Two Minute Vantage is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Ticket prices drop right before the game starts. And because GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, they're able to show you the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. And it's not just hockey that we're talking about. I love hockey, but I also love Neil Young. So if you want to get tickets to see your favorite artist, Game Time can help you there too. And it's an easy two-tap checkout system that allows you to get access to those tickets. The Game Time app is simple, quick, and easy to navigate. Download the Game Time app in the Google Play or App Store and score last-minute deals on tickets up to 60% off. everybody, Scott Burnside, returning as per usual to Man Advantage, the podcast, and the second man, as always, Pierre Lebrun in Toronto. Have you started to pack for your trip for Montreal, my friend? Because as you know, and we've been promoing this, you and I are going to have dinner together in Montreal, both of us there working on different things, and I wonder if you are packed up, and will it be snowing there? That's the big question I have. I haven't even checked the weather. I, I, I'm the world's sort of laziest packer slash traveler. I just throw stuff in a bag. I mean, obviously, I got to put a couple of suits in there. I got some TV work with RDS in Montreal, but I never look to the weather. I mean, I, I'm one of those guys that's been caught where I, I think because it's November, it's not really winter yet, and I walk out into a <laughs> complete snowstorm and I'm not ready. That's me. I'm that guy. Yeah. I, I do know from traveling with you that you do like to hang your stuff up, though. You're pretty fastidious about that. Like I, you, I, I don't like crumpled in. clothes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you're not a... It's one of my favorite things, and I think it must be Hal Gill and the crew in Nashville. They call it the old bag checkers, you know, where you check into a hotel and you basically throw your bag on the floor and then go back out if you're going for dinner or going out for drinks or whatever. I, see, I'm, as you know, I'm a, I'm more to the bag checker side. No, than the, I want everything. I want all my stuff in the washroom. <laughs> All taken out beautifully, and my computer set up for writing the next morning. I I get everything set up like it's my own little apartment, and then I come down to the lobby. Yeah. Very good. All right, so uh, lots to unpack. And in fact, uh, we're going to be joined later in the podcast by Deputy Commissioner Bill Daly. And if I had to hazard a guess, we'll talk some Seattle expansion. We'll talk maybe the World Cup or whatever is going to take place in 21. CBA. And maybe some lip- yeah. CBA. So we're looking forward to that. And this is, um, I know uh, last week we talked a little bit about the lead up to Hall of Fame weekend and then the induction ceremonies on, on Monday evening. Uh, you always are there working it. In fact, I saw a great picture of you with Mariel Lemieux and Gino Retta, if I'm not mistaken, on the red carpet. And you were looking. Yes, a rare, a rare Super Mario interview. Um, do you know that we know I he s- doesn't do a lot of them, but I <laughs> give uh, the do. Penguins uh, Hall of Famer and, and owner uh, a lot of credit. We, we asked him on the spot. It wasn't prearranged uh, because everyone walks by our set. Uh, and uh, yeah. Frank, Frank Cerevelli was also helping us with that, uh, uh, with the with the coverage before the Hall of Fame show. And, and Mario came on and he was terrific. Two questions. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it... Uh, Wish he would do it more often, but I'm uh, I'm happy he did it in that moment. It was terrific. 
Every year, at least once, but certainly every year, I send a detailed note to our good pal <clears throat> Tom McMillan, who's, I don't even know what his title Tom's basically the head of communications for the uh, Pittsburgh I believe I believe his title is, I know where the bodies are buried in Pittsburgh. <laughs> That's it. He's been there. He's, Tom McMillan is, he's a fascinating guy um, in and of himself, but I send Tom a note every year asking for some time with Mario or do, you know, various, and he always sends me the nicest note, but it basically, he might as well just send a note with one word, no. But uh, anyway, so good for you. And that's good. Well, I had a great, uh, you know, this is the beauty of our podcast. I'll share a little, uh, a little PS that uh, I chatted with Mario about off air after the interview on TSN. And we uh, quickly uh, pointed out to him that I, I share a passion that he has, which is, Red wine, uh, yes. and uh, Mario has an extensive collection. I, I will never, obviously, go into his orbit for all kinds of obvious reasons, but he has an, <laughs> an extensive cellar. And uh, but anyway, I was telling him about my trip to Bordeaux last year, and um, nice. I think he's planning to do one himself. So yeah, there you go. That's it. That's the only it's... thing we have in common. <laughs> do you think it? Do you think it's because I often offer to meet Mario across the street from uh, PPG Paints Arena at Shales Cafe that I decline? Maybe that's maybe that's why. We, anyway, we, 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 we won't name him by name, but there is a player agent once that <laughs> you asked him to meet us at that place, and uh, we, we love that place. By the way, you do. I mean, you are the king of that establishment, but he 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 hesitated to walk in. Let's just say. <laughs> uh, okay, so uh, Hall of Fame. Uh, was there a moment? Maybe it was with uh, Mario, but I'm always curious. Uh, was there a Hall of Fame moment for you over the weekend? The ceremonies, you know, that just sort of you're like, okay, yeah, that was that was very cool. Yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, Haley Wick. I mean, first of all, just the fact that Haley Wickenizer was the headliner the biggest story of the class of 2019 I, again it, it, it's very personal for me not not so much that i know Haley wickenizer that well I, I don't actually obviously we've had her pass cross but it, it's personal for me because i have two daughters who play hockey and near the end of her speech when she you know when, when she was a, a kid playing you know on on boys teams which was controversial she talked about cutting her hair to fit in and, and about changing in the bathroom having to walk across the arena lobby and having parents whisper you know, nasty things to her. You could just imagine the courage that it took for her to persevere through that as a kid. And in the end of her speech, when she talked about today's young girls being able to walk into a rink with the bag over their shoulder and not think twice, it just totally hit home for me. I mean, my, my weekends are all about, I mean, my son plays as well, but my two girls and, you know, where we are in the Leaside Hockey Association in Toronto, there's like, so many girls who play hockey. It's, it's. I believe, I'd have to double check this, but I believe it's the biggest girls minor hockey association in the country uh, on, on numbers. And so, I mean, it's it, it really hit home when she said that because it's because of people like Haley Wickenizer that, uh, you know, my daughters get to play the game today and it's no fuss. It's it's the norm. And and that for me will be the moment I remember from, uh, from Monday night. Yeah, good, good call, and that I, I I couldn't agree with you more. I think that's a that's a good message, um, and I really I enjoyed your piece uh, coming out of the Hall of Fame that sort of looked at 
the class of 19 was really interesting, right? There were different kinds of players and, and, and the hockey figures that went in. You mentioned Haley Wickenheiser, of course, Guy Carboneau, one of the game's preeminent two-way forwards. Um, Vatslav Nedomansky, who really didn't have much of a profile in North America, but whose presence in North America was groundbreaking as he defected from the former Czechoslovakia from behind the Iron Curtain. Um, Jimmy Rutherford, of course, going in as a builder. Uh, Sergei Zuboff, a, a player I, a lot of people had been banging the drum for years, but yes, again, a lower finally. profile. Yes, you were in. Mm-hmm. But I thought your piece was interesting because, you know, this and notion Jerry Ork, that don't does... forget Jerry. Yeah, you can't, of course, you can't Jerry forget York. Jerry because uh, because uh, if anything else, you won't forget his speech. So that uh, yeah, <laughs> that, was well, a, and, that was a terrific a long speech, but I thought terrific. And you know, I I never got to uh, to meet Jerry Ork, and uh, it's amazing that the people that have played for him or have been in his orbit, how glowingly, I mean, like generally glowingly, they they, they speak of him. So I think it's it's pretty uh, pretty neat that uh, that he's in all. Yeah, no, it was it's good. Ben, and, and sort of spinning it forward for the, this notion, and you raise this issue that maybe, you know, that that opens it broadens the horizons for you know what what the selection committee and and what maybe all hockey fans should consider a Hall of Famer to be. And it does it, you raise there are some interesting names that are I think are will create a lot of debate between now and next. I think the class is always uh, announced in June, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Um, and uh, and I'm curious about, it, it, and I'll, I'll ask you, but I'll go first, so I'll give you some time to think about it. Is there a player that you're thinking about, you know, like, I, 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 I would like to see them get significant consideration someone that may not be on the obvious radar and and, um, the guy I'm really curious about is Daniel Alfredson, because for me, it's not just the points and the uh, personal awards, uh, all those things which are important and I know are a part of the factor when the selection committee looks at whether a player is specifically is a Hall of Famer. But like to me, he is the most important Ottawa senator of all time. I, I And I think he was so important, and people forget how important that franchise was, right? I mean, year after year, knocking at the door of a Stanley Cup, uh, never quite got there, went to a final in 07. He won a gold medal with Team Sweden in 06. Um, but to me, he is his presence in that market was so vital that I think, I, like, I'm completely zen if they say, you know what, Daniel Alfredson, even though point totals, you can certainly make the argument. But to me, his the intangibles for me, I'm okay with Daniel Alfredson as a as a Hall of Famer. And I wonder if there's, A, what you think of that, and B, if there's someone that you feel the same about. Yeah, no, I, I think he is, and, I, you know, I, I've said this before, but I, I think it's the best case I have for Daniel Alfredson is that I feel that his career parallels Matt Sundin so well, <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, not quite the numbers of Matt Sundin, but uh, of course didn't play as many years. But otherwise, both captains of their respective Ontario teams, right? Neither one won a cup, but they both won Olympic gold. Um, both the face of those franchises. I, I, I don't know how you have one in and not the other. I guess would be my argument, not to not to insult, you know, Toronto Maple Leaf fans, but. Uh, it's just to me that's the case. I, I could tell you as I wrote that I now you know that trying to get information out of the selection committee is next to impossible. I mean, those people are all sworn to secrecy, but I have heard via source that Alfredson was nominated over the last couple of years at one point, 
and just didn't get the 14 votes, right? You need 14 out of the 18 selection committee members to vote you in. So he just needs to be nominated again, nominated again at some point. Um, he's not, he, he's actually the anti-case of what I wrote Monday. My, my, my point Monday was that maybe some of the people from 2019 will open the doors for others. The fact that Sandin didn't open the door for Alfredson kind of goes against my point, but I'm hoping my point is right for others, which is that, you know, with Guy Carboneau in and his three Selke trophies, the dominant defensive uh, center of his era, well, the dominant defensive forward of the 90s was Yuri Lettinen. And in fact, I quote Ken Hitchcock in the piece saying that he was the most complete player in the world, period. Never mind defensive, just most complete player in the world. Um, you know, obviously Lettinen doesn't have the offensive numbers, but, you know, neither did Carbono. So now if, if you're going to honor the greatest defensive forward of the 80s, why wouldn't you honor the greatest defensive forward of the 90s, I guess would be the argument for Yuri Lettinen. And you can certainly make a, a, a similar argument for Rod Brindamore, who was way more prolific offensively than those two players. But I think if he gets in, it's, it's because of his two Selkies and his uh, defensive acumen as well. So that, so that would be the path, perhaps, for, for those two players. Interesting. And, I, you know, both those players are, are fascinating. And having spent, I was in Dallas and wrote about Yuri Letton in, um, mm-hmm. when they retired his number. Uh, in Dallas and had a you know, really, you know, it was just a ton of fun to, uh, for a, t- a period of time, everyone for the stars wore the yellow laces that Yuri Lettinen used to favor. <laughs> that was, the, that was right. just the way it, uh, they honored him. Um, and I think he and Rod Brindamore are interesting test cases because, and I, you know, having spent a lot of time around Carolina uh, in their run to their first and, and only Stanley cup in uh, 05, 06, um, like he's again, he's he is a pivotal figure. I remember talking to Jim Rutherford, <laughs> member of the Hall of Fame class from '19. But um, when I was in Carolina uh, for training camp a year ago, and Rod Brindamore had just taken over as a head coach, um, Jim Rutherford was unequivocal the most important person in the history of the Carolina Hurricanes. He felt was Rod Brindamore, and I again go back to my point on Daniel Alfredson. I think those are important elements to consider and i i think you know what if both Lettinen and brindamore got in i think it would be a fine day for the hall of fame so there you yeah, go and and then you know we might as well finish the whole point here in terms of the path but with zuboff now in i mean it screams sergey gonchar and or doug wilson right i mean actually yep. both gonchar and wilson are ahead of zuboff in career points by defensemen they're both all three of them are top 20 all time but uh now gonchar played way more games than zuboff etc my point is you know, Gonchar and Zuboff, both unbelievable offensive defensemen of their eras, but really all-around defensemen. And the point I made for Gonchar, by the way, is that his, you know, his best offensive seasons were actually during the dead puck era. You know, the, the NHL's lowest scoring seasons were between 97 and, and 04 in the modern era. And that's when he put up, you know, five 50-plus seasons. A 50-point, five 50-point-plus seasons, and which is, you know tells you about his his acumen and of course i mean listen doug wilson made the case a million times but i still don't know how the guy who was in the all-star game every single year almost in the 80s uh won a norris trophy and uh is top 15 all time in uh, points for for defenseman somehow isn't in the hall i think zuboff getting in will absolutely boost doug wilson's case yeah uh all right we're gonna take a break what about this i'm gonna uh, we're gonna take a break so don't go away but let me leave you with this what if Doug Wilson, uh, and I know you picked the Sharks, what if, what if Doug Wilson 
wins a cup as a GM and all of the work he's done there, one of the most successful franchises, what if he gets in as a builder, as a head of a player? Or maybe he becomes that rare, you know, sort of, yeah, there there is no term for it i guess but there's no hybrid uh yeah there's There's no no hybrid hybrid category but but he is but he is exactly that person i mean a lot of a lot of people i guess you could say that for too right i mean uh steve eiserman or steve eiserman wayne gretzky there's a lot of people you could say deserve to be in both as a player and a a builder but you know doug wilson you know since his playing career and of course remember he was ahead of the hlpa too at the end of his career uh, GM of uh, the San Jose Sharks, so all they do is <laughs> make the playoffs every year forever. You know, it's a building that brand and then that market in San Jose. It's been a remarkable career for him as well uh, on the executive side of things. You're right, but I understand people have made that argument for Doug Wilson that maybe he's just going as a builder. I, I just don't understand. The reality is, to me, he's a Hall of Fame player, so why not get that right in the first place? In my mind, good point. All right, don't go away. We will be right back with two-man advantage the podcast talking about erectile dysfunction isn't easy usually people just brush it off or blame themselves saying things like i lost my mojo but with roman it is easy to talk about it with a real doctor who can prescribe real medication it's simple safe and totally discreet with roman you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ed all from the comfort and privacy of your home. The doctor will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, Roman will ship it to you with free two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward, simple, and discreet. Getting started is simple. Just go to GetRoman.com Advantage and complete an online visit. Erectile dysfunction used to be tough to tackle, but now there's Roman. Complete an online visit today to connect with a doctor and take care of it. Just go to GetRoman.com Advantage to get a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com Advantage for a free visit to get started. GetRoman.com Advantage. All right, my friend, I want to, I was just looking at these standings, you know, I'm quite a stats, advanced stats, stats guy myself. So I was looking at the standings. And, uh, <laughs> sorry, sorry while I laugh out loud. <laughs> but here's, here's, uh, as we are taping this, uh, heading into the final week of November, uh, interesting when you look at the Canadian end of things, uh, in the Eastern Conference, you have one Canadian team. Montreal Canadiens are currently holding down a playoff spot. And in the West, there are actually three uh, with uh, Winnipeg, Edmonton, who leads Pacific and has really from the beginning, and Vancouver, which still holding on to a wild card spot, even though they uh, are, they, they've got, they apparently drinking the same water that Buffalo has been drinking. It's that they continue to, to struggle to, to, to get through November. But the, the reason I, I mentioned this is the two teams I am so fascinated about, one in the East, one in the West, the Calgary Flames sitting outside the playoff spot with an ugly minus 11 goal differential. They've lost four straight as we're chatting here today. And the Toronto Maple Leafs, oh my goodness, outside the playoff spot, coming off a loss in Las Vegas, uh, five in a row, uh, five losses in a row. I, I, 
when I, to me, I think of those two teams and, and if you and I were having this conversation in, you know, mid September, first week of October, we might've picked Calgary and Toronto as the two Canadian teams most likely to, you know, to end the Stanley cup drought for Canada or to get to a Stanley cup final. Do you, do you think that's fair? And, and how serious is the, 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 the current state for both those teams? Yeah, it's funny. Bob McKenzie kind of addressed both teams in the insider trading on TSN uh, uh, yesterday and um, because they're sort of tied that way, two teams with high expectations. I must say I actually saw reg- – I-, I felt regression would be there for Calgary this year. Not to the point where they'd missed the playoffs, of course, but I, d- I didn't see them as a you know Pacific Division winning team. I thought they'd be a little lower in the standings, but uh, it's been more of a struggle than that. But the Leafs – Certainly, when you want to gauge a level of urgency or, or you know, uh, angst between the two teams, I feel it's even higher with, with the Leafs. I mean, that that's a team that finally this year wanted to take that step and actually win a playoff series, but beyond, you know, win a cup. And they are nowhere close to that right now. I, I did think their effort was better in Vegas last night. But um, they lost again. And, and so, you know, I, I, all I can tell you is this, is that, and I agree with what the way Bob put it on Insider Trading, my sense when the year started was that Mike Babcock would, would you know, at least get this season and another playoff to, to make his, you know, make his stand and have a chance. And it's year five for him. But, uh, you know, to, 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 to finally make hay in the playoffs. I mean, I think that's still what, you know, my sense is that's still what the Leafs front office would want, but they also can't lose the seat. They can't let the season slip away at a point of no return, I guess would be my analysis of it. So, you know, if they don't turn things around, I, I do think it's possible that there's a coaching change during the season. There's no question. To, you know, when? I don't know, but it's they're no different than any other team when facing this situation and expectations you know someone has to pay the price if those expectations aren't met again in a perfect world i don't think that's even the first move they think of but if the losing continues i, I you know it'll be it'll certainly be something they'll have to to gauge i think yeah it's you know what it's fascinating because i think and i think you and i were of the same mind i really liked what kyle dubas had done in the offseason i mean you can quibble with the with the whole structure and how they've how they've locked up their top young talent that to me that's that's a bit of a separate issue i mean it's an issue for them moving forward but in terms of what this how this team looked on the ice on paper going into the season i thought that they were improved i really i i just thought the tyson berry ad um now, it costs a lot was Nazem Kadri uh, going to Colorado, but I just thought that Tyson Berry was going to be that kind of dynamic top four figure and with Jake Gardner leaving. I just thought that was, I just thought they were going to, it was going to be such a perfect fit and they would be su- mm-hmm. so much more dynamic and moving the puck and really generating offense from. from well, and it may still be. Yeah, but it's. It may still be. And, and, and if, if there's anything we've learned from St. Louis, to be honest, and even Washington the year they won the cup, like it wasn't all roses all year for the Washington Capitals that year, as you for remember, sure. Scotty. Yep. So I, my point is that if the Leafs somehow can see themselves through this period and, and get better, for, you know, literally become better as human beings and competitors for the adversity they go through. I know people don't like talking about that stuff anymore, right? Yeah. They, they, you know, the whole, no, but I mean, yeah, it's, it's funny, like, it's become like so uncool to talk about the, the, the human side of all this. And 
the reality is when you when you get challenged the way these Leaf players are being challenged right now. I mean, the white noise is through the roof in this city here in Toronto right now. Yeah. Um, if you can get through it, uh, it can have a real galvanizing effect. But you got to get through it, and some teams don't. So that's what we don't know about this group is whether they're going to figure this out. But you know, if they get on the other side of this and 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 get fortified by the experience, they could actually be quite a dangerous team. But I, I just don't know if they will, right? And to your point about Tyson Berry, what I have found interesting is that. You know, he's mostly not had a role in the first unit power play. You know, all, all the teams now go 1-4. And, of course, Morgan Riley's been unbelievable over the last couple of years on the power play. So how can you not give that job to Morgan Riley? I, I I would say this. I mean, you know, Tyson Berry's number one asset as an NHL player is quarterbacking a power play. In my mind, you can disagree if you want. But if you're not going to have that role, then I don't know that you're going to get the most out of Tyson Berry. And so... I would I would put him on there for the rest of the year, and you know, um, have Morgan Riley plays in every situation imaginable, and he's a leader. I can't imagine Morgan Riley would pout if if you took him off the first unit. You know, you use him in all the other situations you need him. It might help his load management, but I I would, you know, if for no other reason, uh, I, I would I would use Barry in that role so that you you actually have a better gauge of what he can give you. Um, and and get him back in terms of confidence where he needs to be. Yeah. No, and it, I, I think you, I mean, you touched on it, and I think it's a it's such an important point is, you know, people move, right? This trade happens or players are signed as free agents, and then it, you the fan expects instant gratification from it, and it doesn't happen. And you're the, the Blues are the perfect example, of course. They're the example for, for anything that goes wrong early in the season. The Blues are now going to be the answer for that. Well, and and with good reason. But I remember talking to Ryan O'Reilly just at the end of the Stanley Cup final and talking about, you know, how long it took for the different parts that Doug Armstrong had brought in before the start of last season. And it it took half a season. And whether, you know, you're right, usage or whatever it is for Tyson Berry. I I I know I talked to a scout during the playoffs last year and the Avs, of course, not crushing Calgary in the first round as the eighth seed in five games and really taking San Jose like you know we're talking about a controversial offside penalty maybe away from an upset over San Jose in the second round and this scout couldn't rave enough about Tyson Berry and his leadership and his fierceness and all his all-around game and you know, it hasn't it hasn't appeared yet in Toronto, so it will. I, I want to touch on on Calgary briefly. Ah, it's such an you know again if you if you thought this was a team that was going to you know maybe it was the goaltending with Mike Smith moving on and Dave Riddich taking over and Cam Talbot coming over, but I was I'm looking at their stats right now and Johnny Gaudreau and Sean Monahan are a combined minus twenty, and I know plus minus yeah. is a bit of a blah blah, but that's not that's not great for your. For, for two-thirds of your top line. And I, I wonder what you make of, even if you thought they were going to regress a bit, I mean, the pressure on them, especially with Edmonton, like just Edmonton is, you know, what a great story for that market. And, you know, sort of that, again, this reminder that things can change very quickly in the NHL, especially if you have Connor McDade and David and Leon Dreisaitl. But, you know, the, the, the Oilers have... You know, they're tops in the Pacific, and they have 31 points, eight more than Calgary with a game in hand. I mean, that the Battle of Alberta has, it looks like it's over already. 
Well, I'll tell you what is pretty shocking. As we tape this on, on Wednesday morning, the Calgary Flames are 30th in the NHL, averaging 2.50 goals per game. They're just ahead of Detroit, uh, who are 31st, and they're right there with New Jersey and Columbus at 2.50. I mean, that's just, that makes no sense when you look at that roster, right? Um, you cannot be that bad offensively with, with the parts that you have there. So that, so that's the mind boggling part for me, um, is why they're not producing offense, particularly five on five. So, uh, it just screams to me of a team that needs a trade shakeup. And I know that's, I actually rarely go that route because <laughs> that that's what always people want to point to. But in this case, I believe it. I do think that Brad tree living, Easier said than done, especially this time of year. So many teams are at the cap, and it's tough to make moves. But I think at some point here in the next couple of weeks, even if it's a, a you know, even if it's on the smaller scale, I think you try to make a move here to, to inject some life into this lineup. Yeah, it's hard. It's uh, you pressure on Brad Tree Living is is enormous, and especially you know you look at what James Neal is doing in Edmonton and. You know, Milan Lucic, 22 games, zero goals, four assists. It just, man, it's, uh, that's... Yeah, but I mean, uh, we're not... Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I don't I'm just think anyone a... was going to compare Lucic and Neil offensively. I mean, they're two different players, obviously. Still, Still. clearly Edmonton's won that deal right now. But I'm just right. saying, you're obviously looking at Lucic to bring other elements, and we know what those are. Well, yeah, I think it, it wouldn't have been bad for him to pot a goal every once in a while. But okay, anyway. Um, all right, so just before we close up here... We're going to hear from Bill Daly in a few minutes. I, I, I'm going to open the floor to you, unless you want me to do this. I could always do a little name association. How do you how do you feel? Is there something you want to get off your chest before we uh, close out this part of the two-man advantage, or do you want me to throw a couple names at you? Well, I, I want to bring up the Ottawa Senators, and, and part of it is I'm going to see them in person tonight in Montreal. But, uh, you know, they would have been everyone's to finish last in the NHL standings this year, right? I mean, is that yeah. fair? Oh, for sure. Before the season started? Well, I, I'd and, had Detroit and, and, close. I'd had Detroit and the Kings okay. in that. Okay. So, well, Go ahead. <laughs> and there's still lots of hockey to be played. But, you know, how about Ottawa at nine wins? And, and you know, hanging in there every night. And, and listen, I, it's not like they're going to be a threat to make the playoffs. I understand that. But, you know, as we tape this, they're three points behind the Toronto Maple Leafs at the quarter mark of the season. Um, they're bitter rivals. Well, I, I mean, no, it has to I be know. pointed out. I, 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 and so, so uh, and they have and I don't. One of the, they have two games in hand, my friend. Two games in hand. Yeah, there you yeah. Go. So, uh, you know, hats off to DJ Smith. You know, uh, Pierre Dorian was really excited about hiring DJ Smith from the Leafs staff, and um, and you know the. The, the junior hockey uh, rundown that I got from people who knew him when he was coaching was that the players go through a wall for him and that he's a great communicator. Um, and I think you're really seeing that right now. I, I think he is maximizing what that Senators roster can deliver right now at this stage of their rebuild and uh, good for DJ Smith. That's it. You know, uh, the... Uh... I'm calling up the Senators' uh, roster right now while I'm doing this. But you know how old I am. But uh, when uh, I first, as you know, I was a news guy for a long time. And, uh, yeah. And uh, um, 
spent a lot of time covering crime and stuff at the Ottawa Sun. And then when when I began, you, you, you famously <laughs> also wrote a book on the uh, Paul Bernardo <laughs> murders and trial. I would plug and, that. Uh, I would plug no, that. Uh, seriously, like a lot of people don't know that. I mean, that was uh, pretty amazing work on your behalf. On yes, uh, well, I, I wish the book would. I'm sure it's in a remainder bin somewhere. It's it's the it's certainly in some electronic remainder bin as we speak. But when I left news to go to sports, I was the columnist at the Windsor Star, and DJ Smith was the captain of the Windsor Spitfires. And so now <laughs> that's a whole lifetime ago. But even then, and that Spitz team was, they were sort of a bubble playoff team. But DJ Smith's captain, he and he did, he led that team. And it wasn't a great team, but he was a real leader there. And, and, and I want to ask you, uh, just as we close this out then, I mean, how important is what we're seeing in Ottawa in, in terms of, maybe turning a corner like you say they listen that team's not going to make the playoffs but if they show the kind of fight that they've shown and the and the perseverance they've shown for the rest of the season in terms of getting players you know committed to wanting to stay there to building mm-hmm. a culture that becomes attractive to players who want to play in Canada and want to play in a, in a great city like Ottawa i mean how important is this that they're not just getting waxed every single night yeah, and it's why I think Pierre Darno did a good job going to get Nemestikov early in the season, for example. People are scratching their head and saying, well, why would you even care? Like, why are you trying to make you know your team better for this year? Because it matters to them to be competitive, even though they are in a, in a rebuild, um, because their franchise has taken a beating, right? And you don't want to be a laughingstock. And, I mean, I will say that probably while Eugene Melnick is still owner, there's still probably going to be a segment of that fan base, I think, that will be... Um, dissatisfied but in terms of the hockey part of it uh, I I do think it's important for that fan base to see where this is headed and you know they got some big decisions ahead by the way you know half their roster is UFA (laughs) they got a lot of guys on expiring deals and most notably uh, Jean-Gabriel Pajot who's having a career season so far offensively he's always been a great defensive center but um, now he's putting up numbers he's getting a bigger role uh, 12 goals on the season as we tape this and and so what will they do with him he's a he's a local kid right from just across the river and um, you know I think he likes it there but uh, he's probably going to command quite a raise on his three million dollar salary so so that'll be again here we go again you know how, how do you handle that if, if you're Ottawa so some decisions ahead but for the moment uh, a nice little early season story they are yeah and you mentioned Pajot I mean I mean with there aren't a lot of obvious. I mean, who knows what happens with Taylor Hall? But there aren't a lot of a lot of obvious rentals. I don't think at this stage. And you're right. Twelve goals. He's plus sixteen. I mean, if and how about that? If you are able to get a first round pick and a prospect, and then you re-sign him in the offseason, boy, that'd be a pretty good that'd be pretty good uh, work for uh, the Ottawa Senators. But yes, yeah, so lots of lots of opportunity now for the Senators. Um, and maybe a glimmer of hope, which is which is good. That that market deserves it, and frankly, they, they need it. So, good stuff. All right. Um, so we are going to bring this part of Two Man Advantage to a close. We would ask you, listeners, to rate and subscribe to Two Man Advantage on Apple. And if you click on the uh, URL, which is theathletic.com slash two-man-advantage, you'll get 40% off your subscription. And ah. here's and 
here's the best one. If you want to hear the full version of this podcast, and we've already told you, Pierre and I are going to talk to NHL Deputy uh, Commissioner Bill Daly in just a moment, make sure you subscribe to The Athletic. Pierre, good work, my friend. Right on, right on.